بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله We are moving on tonight to lesson number seven of the tafsir of the short surahs of the Quran cause and so far we've covered um, an, introduct- an introductory lesson where we spoke about the importance of the tafsir of the Quran and the importance of reflecting and pondering and trying to comprehend and understand uh, the teachings and the instructions and the prohibitions of the Quran and that we learn to recite the Quran with, with, an, an, uh, with an understanding of the Quran and then we moved on to our first surah, which is the best and the greatest surah in the Quran, which is none other than Surah Al-Fatiha. And we've still been, or rather we've been going through the surah uh, for the last six lessons, walhamdulillah. And tonight we're moving on to the next ayah after completing the first few ayat of Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. And of course before that the Basmala, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin. Tonight we're moving on to Ihdina Sirat al Mustaqim. To Ihdina Sirat al Mustaqim. And Alhamdulillah, we're spending at least an hour on each verse so that we can gain um, a good understanding of these ayat. As each ayah is extremely powerful. Each ayah is extremely powerful. As this is Kalamullah. And this is the speech of Al-Alim, Al-Hakim, the most wise and the most knowledgeable. And he has chosen these seven ayat as the oft recited ayat. And therefore each word, each letter, each ayah, even the sequence we saw last week, it has a powerful uh, role that it plays and a powerful effect upon the surah which makes it this great surah, the surah of Al-Fatiha. So... Tonight we focus on Ihdina Surat al-Mustaqim which we know which, what it means guide us to the straight path. Many of us we understand the translation inshallah of Surat al-Fatiha which is good, which is very good but we are trying to get a deeper understanding so that when we recite it's not about uh, uh, thinking about the verbatim translation that we've memorized growing up. You know, it's about having that, that, that thoughts in your mind, it's about having that picture in your mind when we recite the various ayat like Maliki Yawmiddin for example, you think of Malik, you think of Al-Malik for example, you think of Yawmiddin, what that day is all about and so forth. So this has a stronger effect on the reciter, this has a stronger effect on uh, uh, the, the person making salah for example, the musalli on his salah and upon his heart and upon his iman and so forth. So likewise with Ihdina Surat Al-Mustaqeem, we understand it means it guide us to the straight path. But tonight, inshallah, we will delve a bit deeper so that we understand what is Hidayah, what is the Sirat, and so forth, bi-idhnillah. So the first thing Allah Azza wa Jal, He starts this ayah with Ihdi. Ihdi na, Ihdi na. Ihdi, right, is an imperative or a command form of the verb. Right? In Arabic, we've got past tense verbs, fi'lul madi, we've got fi'lul mudari', we've got future or present tense verbs, and you also have a, a command form of the verb, like ihdi, 
or uh, like iftah, which means open, you know, and various examples, right? So this is an example of this. And the ulama have explained that when a command in Arabic is used towards someone above or someone that's higher up uh, than, than you in rank, for example, then it is used as a type of dua, as a type of supplication. And of course, in this case, we are reciting this ayah and we are reciting this addressing who? Addressing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know this because the previous ayat, if we look at the context of the ayat, what, what is the beginning of the ayat that we spoke about or the beginning of the surah which leads up to this, this ayah? It's all about praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ar-Rahman rahim Maliki yawmiddin. I don't need to translate this ayat because we, we have a, a good understanding of him. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'een. Addressing who? Allah. You alone do we worship and you alone do we ask for help. Ihdina. So guide us. But this is a command. Can we command Allah Azza wa to do anything? Of course we cannot command Allah. So in this case, when we use a command in this context, it, it's, it, it's used as a type of dua, as a request, as a supplication, asking Allah to guide us. So we are basically saying, Ya Allah, please guide us. Ya Allah, guide us. We are not necessarily commanding Allah to guide us. And this is something that... Um, is known in the usage of the Arabic language, even though it's a command form of the verb. And when it's used for someone below, then it is a command. So if Allah Azza wa commands us, for example, aqim salah right? Establish the salah. This is a command. It's an instruction. It's not a request. It's not a supplication. It's not a dua. Because in this case, it comes from one above to one that is below and so forth. For someone equal, like a colleague, like a friend, if you command, if you use the command form of the verb, and it's understood to be a request, right? It's not a supplication, it's not a dua. If you're speaking to another person, you're not making dua to him. It's a, you know, it's a supplication and so forth. Uh, sorry, a request and so forth. Ihdi na. This is an attached pronoun which means us. Na in Arabic. You find this at the end of a word often. Na, it means us. Okay. Ihdi na means, oh Allah guide us. Very easy to understand. Ihdi na, we are addressing Allah supplicating unto him, asking him to guide us. Um, so what is guidance? This is the question, and this will be the first main issue that we will jump into in today's lesson, bi'idhnillah. What is hidayah? Right, we know this word hidayah, it means it translates to guidance or direction. And again, this is in lughatan meaning, according to the lugha of, of Arabic, it means guidance or direction. However, in terms of the Quran and the Sunnah, then we find that Hidayah is at least of four types. Hidayah is of four types, as the scholars have mentioned. The first type of Hidayah that the Qur'an speaks about is the Hidayah towards our natural disposition. What we mean by this is guidance towards that which is beneficial in matters of this world. Guidance in that which is beneficial to us as human beings, for example. Right? For example, Allah Azza wa Jal says, قَالَ رَبُّنَا الَّذِي أَعْطَى كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلْقَهُ ثُمَّ هَدَى ثُمَّ هَدَى This is the word, هَدَى means guidance. It's one of the forms of the verb of guidance. So, he answered, our Lord is the one who has given everything its distinctive form, then guided it. Then, هَدَى, he guided it. يعني he guided everything. What's meant by this? 
every single thing is under the guidance of Allah in a general sense. In a general sense. In, in what sense do we mean here? Yeah? In, 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 uh, in, in a natural sense that we as human beings, we are guided to do that which benefits us. For example, we eat, we drink, we sleep. We, we are guided to do this which our body needs. For example, the same with animals, the same with uh, the jinn kind, the same with insects. Every single thing has been given its distinctive form and Allah guided it. Guided it in what way? This is not the guidance of the Sirat al-Mustaqeem. This is not the guidance towards Jannah. This is a, a general type of guidance that applies to one and all. Tayyib. So that's in one sense. Um, the second type of guidance is guidance to that which rectifies the affairs of one's religion. The guidance of irshad or ilm. The guidance of irshad or knowledge. Okay, that which rectifies the affairs of the deen. This is guidance which refers to knowledge of the deen and understanding of the deen. Guidance within the deen. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِكُلِّ قَوْمٍ had, And every people had a guide. Meaning, to every people that Allah created, there was a guide that was sent to them. There was a guide that came to them. وَلِكُلِّ قَوْمٍ had means every people had a guide. Like a messenger or a prophet or a scholar or someone that was there to teach them, to guide them and so forth. In another ayah, وَإِنَّكَ لَتَهْدِي إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Allah tells the Prophet sallallahu and you are truly leading all to the straight path. Latahdi, leading here means guiding. Just the, the choice of translation. You are truly leading or guiding all to the straight path. Right? The Prophet is our role model. He is the um, an example of guidance. Okay. Uh, so this type of guidance is found and understood by the messengers and the scholars and so forth. And this is the guidance of irshad or knowledge, of ilm, to try to the understanding of the deen. This is one aspect of knowledge. To firstly have, to gain insight into the religion, to, to learn what the truth is, to learn what the, the right path is, and so forth. This is one aspect of guidance. There are people who are void of this type of guidance. They don't understand the deen. The, the, they don't understand the truth. They haven't, um, the truth maybe have, hasn't reached them. And so forth. So this is one aspect of guidance. A third type of guidance is the guidance of tawfiq or amal or an action. The guidance of tawfiq or amal. Right? When Allah gives us the tawfiq, yani He accepts from one and he, he, he guides them further to acting upon what they learned. So not everyone who hears or receives the message or guidance accepts it. So the, the, the previous guidance that we spoke about, we said is the guidance of knowledge and understanding and guidance and, uh, and direction, right? But this is the next step. This is the result of the previous guidance. This is supposed to be what happens when, one, uh, the, when the previous uh, type of guidance reaches you. That when that guidance reaches you, when the truth reaches you, when the Quran, the message of the Quran or the Sunnah reaches you, this is supposed to be the result of the previous type of guidance. It's to put into action. It's to follow. If you learn something new in matters of belief, you start to believe it. If the Quran said it, the Hadith says it, we believe it. If you learn something new in terms of your deeds, in, in, in terms of uh, uh, haram, you abstain. In terms of wajibat, you fulfill. In terms of the sunnah or mustahabat, that, that which is recommended, you try your best to fulfill. 
and so forth. This is supposed to be the next step that we reach. However, it's not always this, the case. It's not always the case. Many people hear the message, receive the message, but they don't follow the message. They don't end up following um, the truth that, that, that may have reached them. So this type of guidance they may be void of. Whereas the previous type of guidance may have reached them. Wallahu musta'an. Um, accepting the guidance and following the guidance is therefore what is meant by the guidance of tawfiq. This is tawfiq from Allah. When Allah gives you the tawfiq, yani the success or the, the, the guidance to follow that knowledge that reached you, the message that reached you and so forth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَن يُؤْمِن بِاللَّهِ يَهْدِ قَلْبَهِ Whoever truly believes in Allah, has true iman or faith in Allah, he will rightly guide their hearts. He, Allah, will rightly guide their hearts. يَهْدِ قَلْبَهِ يَهْدِ He has the word of guidance. He will guide their hearts. So the person who is sincere in his iman, his faith in his belief, is true in his belief, he believes in Allah correctly, Allah will guide his heart. And this is the guidance of tawfiq. This is not just the guidance of knowledge. The knowledge has reached him and he's sincere in his belief. Allah will take him to the next step, which means Allah will guide his heart. May Allah guide our hearts. Ameen. Another example is Allah Azza wa Jal says, Innaka, speaking to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, La tahdi man ahbabd. Indeed, you surely cannot guide whom, whoever you like, O Prophet. You, you cannot guide a person because you love that person necessarily or because you like that person. But it is Allah who guides whoever He wills. And He knows best who are fit to be guided. Subhanallah, a powerful ayah. And the tafsir of this ayah, what is the context of this ayah? When was this ayah revealed? It was revealed upon the death of Abu Talib. We know who Abu Talib was uh, the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The one who looked after him, protected him, and even loved him. So after, you know, the Prophet ﷺ became an orphan at the death of his mother, his grandfather then took over and looked after him and reared him for a few years until he passed away, Abdul Muttalib. When he passed away, his uncle then took over and looked after him, Abu Talib. Abu Talib was beloved to him and he was beloved to Abu Talib. And Abu Talib knew that he was truthful in his message. He knew that his nephew was not a liar and he is not what the people were saying about him. And he also protected him. He protected his nephew. But upon the deathbed of Abu Talib, Rasulullah encouraged him to say La ilaha illallah, to, to finally accept the message. You know, to give in and accept the message which he knew in his heart was right. The message had reached him. The truth has reached him. But he did not accept the message. He did not submit to the message. And this is the tawfiq that we are speaking about, the guidance of tawfiq and action. It did not reach him. And it was not accepted. That knowledge that reached him was not accepted from him. Subhanallah. So when he passed away, you know, he decided on his one side, he had Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam encourage him to say, La ilaha illallah, and to say that it's a word that I will stand by with you on qiyamah. It will, you know, I will intercede for you and so forth. If you say this, this, this kalima and you die with this on your tongue, and on the other hand, he had others saying to him, are you going to leave the religion of your father, of your people, and so forth. And in the end, this pride uh, and, and this worry of not, you know, sticking to what his people says and what his father was upon, he died upon that. Wallahu al-musta'an. 
and the saddened Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is when Allah revealed to him, saying to him, you surely cannot guide whomsoever you like. Even though your uncle was beloved to you, ya, ya Rasulullah, this doesn't mean you can just give him tawfiq because he's beloved to you. But who gives the tawfiq? Who gives the guidance? It's Allah who guides whomsoever he wills. Because he knows best who is fit to be guided. Subhanallah, guidance is only in the hand of Allah. And only Allah knows who is deserved of guidance. Understand? It's not about who we think should be guided. We see this person having good akhlaq or good character. So why is this person not guided and so forth? Only Allah knows who is fit to be guided. We don't know what's in the person's heart and so forth. Wallahul musta'an. So this is another example of somebody who the, 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 the second type of guidance has reached him. The guidance of irshad and of knowledge. He knew the truth. But this guidance did not reach him. The guidance of tawfiq and amal. And there are many examples like this. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, As for the, the Thamud, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We guided them, but they preferred blindness over guidance. Which means the second type of guidance reached them, but they did not want to accept. So they preferred blindness to stay blind over huda, over guidance. Fourthly, we have guidance in the Akhirah. We have guidance in the year after. And this is the most important of all guidance. The greatest and the goal behind all of the other types of guidance. Our guidance of knowledge, our guidance of action. The goal is that it takes us to the to Jannah. It, it, it takes us to success in the year after so that we can achieve the ultimate goal. The ultimate guidance which is guidance to Jannah. So we've got guidance in the Akhirah which means Allah will guide the believers to Jannah. And the, the disbelievers or the major sinners will be guided to the to Jahannam and we ask Allah to protect us. An example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ قُتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فَلَيْ يُضِلَّ أَعْمَالَهُمْ And those who are martyred in the cause of Allah, He will never render their deeds void. Their deeds will not be wasted. سَيَهْدِيهِمْ وَيُصْلِحُ بَالَهُمْ He will guide them to their reward and He will improve their condition. And he will admit them into paradise, having made it known to them. Um, the point here is the shuhada, the martyrs who died in the path of Allah, Allah says their deeds will not be wasted. It will not be rendered void. Um, and then Allah says, We will guide them. Guide them to what? They've passed on. So what is this guidance? What is this guidance? We will guide them to their reward, which is Jannah, And we will enter them into paradise. That's their reward. Their reward is waiting for them in Jannah. And this is the guidance that they will achieve in the Akhirah. And we ask Allah to make us of them. Ameen. Likewise, guidance to the fire for the disbelievers or major sinners. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah will say to the angels, Gather all the wrongdoers along with their peers. Not their peers, their peers. And whatever they used to worship instead of Allah. Gather all of them. And then lead or guide Lead or guide them all to the path of hell. All to the Jahim, the path of the fire or Jahannam. Wallahu al So 
We can clearly see these guidance in the Akhirah, guidance to the fire or guidance to paradise. Um, and as we said, achieving the guidance in this dunya of knowledge and action, the ultimate goal is that it leads us to the success in, of the guidance to, to Jannah in the Akhirah, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. So when the reciter recites this verse, Ihdina sirat, ihdina, we're asking Allah for guidance. What guidance are we asking Allah for? We've spoken about four types of guidance. He should intend all three types of guidance. The first type of guidance is not what we are really looking for. It's not what we are really, it's not what's sought after. That comes naturally. That goes to even the kuffar, they achieve that type of guidance. Even the animals. So we're not really looking for that hidayah. The hidayah to natural, you know, our inclination that's going to preserve our bodies. Yes, that's something good, no doubt. You know, we need to be healthy and so forth. That's one thing. But the hidayah that we are asking Allah for is the three types of hidayah. Number one is the hidayah of amal or irshad. Sorry, of ilm or irshad. Um, and this is that the sharia is extremely vast in this. Because if you think about all of the guidance in within the sharia, or within the, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how much is there not to learn? How much is there not to increase on? Right? As they say, knowledge from the cradle to the grave. This was the statement of the great Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah. Because you never have learned enough. Never. You can study your whole entire life for 100 and odd years. There is still something that you don't know. There is still more that you don't know that you, than, than what you do know. This is the reality. Al-ilmu bahrun la sahilah. Imam Ash-Shafi, rahimahullah, he said that knowledge is an ocean that has no coast. There's no shore. So you're on this ocean forever. If you reach the shore, if you reach the coast, you've reached something which is not knowledge. You reach some type of ignorance, some type of misunderstanding if you think you've reached the shore. Subhanallah. So there's always an increase that we need in terms of that second type of guidance, the guidance of irshad and knowledge. Whether it's the mustahabbat, how much sunnah is there not to learn? How much recommended access are there not to learn? How much wajibat is there not to learn? Muharramat, makruhat, knowledge of Allah, his names, his attributes, his actions, knowledge of Arabic, the grammar, the, the seerah, history, biographies. There is an endless amount of knowledge out there and this falls under the second type of guidance. So no doubt when we say ihdina, we, we want this type of guidance first. The guidance that Allah always guides us to knowledge. He always guides us to irshad, to that, you know, to be on the straight path, the direction, but always increasing in our knowledge, our understanding of the deen. And this is of utmost importance. After we intend that, the guidance of irshad, he should intend the guidance of tawfiq. And, and the two go hand in hand, really. We cannot be acting without knowledge, nor can we be learning and increasing in knowledge, but not acting upon our knowledge. Because this is a contradiction and this is an imbalance in the system of a believer. Um, if one has knowledge but doesn't follow or act upon the knowledge, it becomes an evidence against him and not for him. And this is something extremely serious that for us who are seeking knowledge, you know, it's an amana, it's a trust between us and Allah that we act upon the knowledge. If you are increasing in knowledge and not changing and not becoming any better, Knowledge is supposed to be seen upon the person in the way he looks, the way he dresses, the way he speaks, the way he walks, the way he talks. 
everything. You can see the knowledge is like a garment that he wears. It changes the person. If it's not changing him, then he's either insincere or his knowledge is not beneficial to him. Wallahu al-musta'an. And that knowledge will be an evidence against him. It will be a proof against him. It will not be on his side. It will be against him. Wallahu al-musta'an. If we act upon our knowledge, it becomes an evidence for us. The Quran is imma lak aw alayk. The Quran is either for you or against you. Right? This is what the hadith says. Likewise, our knowledge in general, it's either for you or against you. Depending on have we sought knowledge, are we acting upon our knowledge, and so forth. And this is very, very important. Ata' Rahimahullah, radiallahu anhu, he, I believe, was a tabi'i, and he studied under Aisha, radiallahu anha. He was a young boy. He used to go, he used to, go to Aisha often and go sit, you know, uh, with her and study. She was a faqiha. She was a, 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 a scholar of the ummah. He used to go to her as mother of the believers and he used to speak to her and, and gain, gain knowledge from her. Like many other sahaba used to do. And one day she asked him, you know, youngster, have you put into action all that you have learned? And he said, not yet, Ummul Mu'mineen. And then she said to him, why do you then increase the proof of Allah upon us? As if to say, go from here, don't come back until you have changed your ways, until you have implemented all that you have learned. And this is a powerful uh, lesson for all of us to, to always keep in mind. Uh, and we live in an era where it's so easy to increase in knowledge. Wherever we look, there's people sharing reminders. If it's not if you, uh, you, videos, it's, it's audios. If it's not that, it's pictures, it's a hadith being sent around, it's ayat, it's reminders. Every day we're picking up knowledge, which is very good. But how much is the knowledge changing us? That's the question that we need to ask. Um, Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah, he said, Al-ilmu ma nafa'a laysa ma hufidah. He said, true knowledge is that which benefits, not that which is memorized. It's that which benefits, not that which is memorized. Memorizing knowledge is so great and so virtuous. But that's not the main point behind knowledge. The main goal behind knowledge is that you act upon the knowledge. It benefits you. Not just that you have memorized it. A great saying by the great Imam. One of the Salaf, and it is some say it's Umar ibn Khattab, anhu, he used to make this dua. And many of us will know this dua. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful dua. The dua is Allahumma arina al haqqa haqqa wa arzuqna tiba'a. Wa arina al batila batilan wa arzuqna ajtinaba. This dua is powerful because it combines between both the two. Categories of guidance that we are speaking about. Oh Allah, show us the truth as the truth. So we want to know what the truth as it truly is. Not mixed with falsehood. Not half truth. Not the truth which is actually falsehood. Because some people are upon falsehood but they think they are upon the truth. So the first type of guide or the second type of guidance hasn't truly reached him. The guidance of Irshad and, and, and knowledge. We want the truth as it truly is, pure. And grant us the following or the ability to follow the truth or to make us of those who follow it. We want that second type or the third type of hidayah in this case, the hidayah of amal and tawfiq. We want to be of those who don't only see the truth as it is, but to those who follow it as well. And show us falsehood as falsehood. Let us not be of those who are confused. And make us of those who keep far away from it. We see it as haram or misguidance or falsehood. 
make us of those who see it as that and as the and of those who also avoid it a powerful dua to learn another two duas um, from hadith this time the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam after fajr every day he used to say allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'a wa rizqan tayyiban wa 'amalan mutaqabbala he used to say oh allah i ask you for beneficial knowledge this is the prophet of allah who receives wahi he used to say oh allah i ask you for Beneficial knowledge, knowledge that benefits, not knowledge that which is not acted upon. No, knowledge that that has the tawfiq and amal with it, action with it. Beneficial knowledge, extremely important. We start our day with this dua. What is We want wealth that is good and pure, right? A goodly provision, not not haram income, not selling things which are haram and investing in haram and so forth, right? We want to do that which is good. Honorable work, we, we, we earn halal income. And acceptable deeds. We want deeds that are accepted, not rejected. We don't want to be wasting our time doing actions which are rejected with Allah Azza wa Jal. So a powerful dua, learn the dua and implement it every single day. One more dua, Allahumma anfa'ni bima allamtani wa'allimni ma yanfa'uni wa'arzuqni ilman tanfa'uni bih. If you notice, I always start my talks with this dua. I just make it in the plural sense. Allah manfa'na bima alamtana wa'alimna bima anfa'una warzuqna ilman tanfa'una bih. The Prophet ﷺ used to make this dua as well. He used to say, Oh Allah, benefit me with what you have taught me. And teach me that which will benefit me. And grant me knowledge which will benefit me. It's literally the same thing that he's saying in three different ways. And that again shows how powerful and important this is. To ask for knowledge which is beneficial. Not just knowledge. Knowledge which is beneficial, that will help you, that will aid you, that will assist you to becoming a better mu'min and a stronger mu'min and a better person overall. That's what we are looking for, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Um, so he should intend, we said, the first two types of guidance when he says, ihdina. We want both the guidance of knowledge of the sharia and action upon that knowledge. The tawfiq to act upon the knowledge. He should also intend the, the guidance of the year after. He should also intend the guidance of the year after. That when we get to the Akhirah, we want to achieve the proper guidance to the proper Sirat, to Jannah. Right? And in fact, there are two Sirats that we know of according to the Hadith or according to Quran and Sunnah. One in the Dunya and one in the Akhirah. The one in the Dunya we will speak about later on, inshaAllah. The sirat upon the dunya that we need to follow, the, the straight path. The one in the akhirah is also one that requires guidance. For. And that sirat is a bridge that is set up over Jahannam, over hellfire, over which people will pass according to their deeds. So there's a bridge over Jahannam that to get to Jannah we need to cross this bridge. And people will have to pass across this bridge. And according to their deeds is how they will pass. Meaning, if they were righteous people, if they were really good people, they will fly across. If they were not so good, or if they were, they were good but not that bad, or you know, in the middle, they will get across but not as fast. If they were bad, they will struggle to get across. If they were disbelievers, they, may, they will fall into Jahannam. And some ulama say that disbelievers will not even cross. They will just dwindle and into Jahannam and so forth. So some will pass like the blinking of an eye, or like lightning, or like the wind, or like swift horses, all depending on the status of or, or, or the, uh, the status of their deeds.
Some will cross running, some walking, some crawling, and some will be snatched and thrown into the fire, each according to his deeds. Some will be hanging on, literally hanging, and the hand will slip and the other hand will, will grasp and like this, and they will eventually get across. They will be, you know, of course, the, probably uh, in complete relief when they get across. May Allah make us of those who flies across. Amin. Um, the hadith says, it is a slippery bridge on which there are clamps and hooks, like thorns which are wide at one side and narrow at the other, and have bent ends. So that it has some huge thorns on it. A plant with such thorns is found in Najd and is called a Sa'dan. So the Sahaba, they knew of this plant. It has this type of thorns on it. But how exactly it looks in, uh, on the Sirat, we don't know. It will be much bigger and much more uh, scary looking and so forth. Some of the believers, the Prophet says, will cross the bridge as quickly as the wink of an eye. And some others as quick as lightning. Some as strong wind or fast horses or she-camels. So some will be safe without any harm. Those thorns, nothing will bother them. They will fly across. Some will be safe after receiving some scratches. So they might, you know, get caught here and there on a thorn or two. And of course, that will be scary moments, you know. But they will get across. And some will fall down into the fire. The last person will cross by being dragged over the bridge. He will just about make it. Wallahu musta'an. The hadith in Sahih Muslim says, I heard that the bridge is narrower than a hair and sharper than a sword. Subhanallah. So this is the sirat. That is a bridge that goes over Jahannam. Narrower than a hair and sharper than a sword. So you can imagine if someone is slipping and falling and there's huge thorns on this thing and the fear of falling into Jahannam. The fear, you're not falling into a river, you're not falling into something, you know... You are falling into Jahannam, Wallahu al-Musta'an. So this is another sirat that exists according to many hadith, even according to the Qur'an. In Surah Maryam, Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَإِن مِّنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا There is none of you who will not pass over it. There is none of you who will not. Yani everybody has to pass over this bridge. And below this bridge, or sirat, there is complete darkness. Jahannam is known to be completely dark. You cannot see what's happening in there. None will be able to see except those who receive the nur from Allah. So when you get to the sirat, it's extremely thin and sharp as we said. And it's just darkness. Meaning you cannot see the sirat properly. You cannot see the sirat properly. Except those whom Allah grants nur. So some people will receive special nur from Allah. And depending again on their deeds, it may be bright like the day for them to cross. Others not as bright. Others not as bright according to the deeds. Some, some narration says it, it will be according on the big toe. You know, some, some people's uh, a nur will just be there, for example. And some on the thumb and some like this. And it just depends on the, the status of their deeds. But the nur will come from Allah, which will enable them to cross. As with the kuffar, they come in complete darkness. Not knowing where the sirat is. So they'll be wandering blindly. And, and this is why we said some of them will barely even touch the sirat except that they will fall into Jahannam. Wallahu musta'an. As Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَجِيءَ يَوْمَ إِذِمْ بِجَهَنَّمْ And hell is brought forth on that day. Jahannam is brought forth on that day. As the Prophet Sallallahu also said, hell would be brought on the day of Qiyamah with 70,000 bridles and 70,000 angels dragging 
each bridal. 70,000 bridles and 70,000 angels dragging each bridle. So, Jahannam is brought forward. You've got 70,000 malaika pulling people on a bridle. What is a bridle? This is a bridle. It's the thing that goes over the face of a horse for those who don't know. So the kuffar will come like this. With this over their faces. In crowds. Rushing in a state of panic. Like horses bridled. They will be rushing all over each other. In panic. And many of them will be dragged across and thrown into Jahannam. May Allah protect us. The Prophet also said, A bridge will be laid across hellfire, and I and my followers will be the first ones to go across it, and none will speak on that day except the messengers. The first people to cross will be the Prophet and his close Sahaba, the Muhajirun, and so forth. One narration says, The poor from the Muhajirun will be the first to cross. And those who are closest to the Prophet وسلم, may Allah make us of them. And the only ones who will speak will be the messengers. And what will they be saying? The dua that they will make on that day is Allahumma sallim sallim. Allahumma sallim sallim. Oh Allah, save us, save us, save them, save everyone. Safety, safety, sallim, make things easy, protect, protect. Allahumma sallim sallim. This is how serious it will be on that day. And this is how scary this affair of the bridge and the sirat will be. Uh, on that day crossing over. The hadith continues, the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, where the Prophet said, in hell or over the bridge, there will be hooks like the thorns of a Sa'dan. Have you seen a Sa'dan? They said, yes, O Messenger of Allah. He said, so those hooks look like the thorns of a Sa'dan, but none knows how big they are except Allah. Those hooks will pull the people away according to their deeds. Some of the people will stay in hell, be destroyed because of the evil deeds, and some will be cut or torn by the hooks and fall into hell, and some will be punished and then lead, re- relieved. This is going to be the, the difference in the, the, you know, the state of affairs of different people. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us and to guide us on that day. Amin Rabbil Alameen. So when we recite this dua again, we come back to the dua, we should try and imagine this sirat in the akhirah. Right? Not just the sirat of the dunya, but firstly the sirat of the akhirah. That sirat is so much more serious than this sirat. It's so much more scary than this sirat. So think, imagine when you say, Ihdina sirat, guide us to the sirat. Think firstly of the sirat of the akhirah. Imagine yourself crossing this bridge that's sharper than a hair, or sharper than a sword, and thinner than a hair, with huge thorns, where there's no nur. And you're going to cross over Jahannam, and people are falling, and people are getting hurt, and people are... Subhanallah, being dragged like horses with bridles over their faces by malaika and so forth. And the, mala- and the, angel, uh, the prophets have crossed possibly. And we are still behind them. They are saying, Allahumma sallim sallim. Imagine all of these affairs. You say, Allahumma ahdina or ihdina. You know, Ya Allah, guide us. This is the first thing we should think about. That we, as we are guided on that day. And then we think about the sirat in this dunya. Then we can come to the sirat in this dunya. Right? That he, we ask Allah to guide us. Um, on that sirat makes it easy for us to cross and swift without getting injured, slipping or falling. And then we ask Allah for the guidance of this world so that we stay steadfast upon the sirat in this world, upon the, 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 the straight path in this world. And some ulama has stated that this is the dua people are most in need of. The dua in this verse, mustaqim. If there's one dua that we all need to always recite, it's this dua. Because who doesn't need guidance? At which point are we safe from, from guidance? 
At which point are we safe from misguidance, should I say? At which point do we not need guidance in this dunya and, 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 and even in the akhirah? So this is what the ulama have said is the, the dua that we are most in need of. That we are most in need of. Hence it is due to Allah's hikmah and mercy that he placed this most important dua in the surah that we recite daily. In the seven after recited verses. This is the hikmah of Allah. Out of all the duas he could have chosen. Right? He chose this dua in surah Fatiha. Because it's going to be this dua that we're going to constantly and, and often and consistently recite. And this is in our best interest. It is for our benefit that we always recite this dua and we focus on the meaning of this dua and that we know what we are asking for. So remember if you make a dua and, you, and your understanding of guidance is worldly things, is only one or two things or is something specific, then that's all you may be getting. You know, we should make dua and ask Allah to guide us to the truth and ask Allah to show us the truth as the truth and guide us to the truth. And think in your mind, straight path, firstly. Secondly, I need knowledge, I need action, I need also the guidance in the akhirah to Jannah, to crossing the Sirat and so forth. Think of all these things when you recite Ihdina Sirat. You know, not just one or two types of guidance. Um, and, and a very important point that comes to mind here is don't have, a, have some idea of the guidance that you want. So, you know, so if you're following a certain group or a certain uh, ideology, don't ask Allah only to guide you to one or, or a specific thing. Always ask Allah to show you the truth as it is and to make you a follower of the haqq. You understand? Because sometimes we get caught up in... Um, in partisanship, you know, where you are more attached to your group than to the haq. You are more attached to what your sheikh says or what your friends are saying than the haq. Our mind should be open enough that we ask, Ya Allah, show me the truth as it is and make me a follower of the truth. That should be our intention when we make dua. Don't have a preconceived idea when you make dua. Say, Ya Allah, guide me to, the, to this truth. You know, to this. Keep me firm upon this. It should be upon the haqq. Guide me to the Qur'an and the Sunnah and the way of the Sahaba. Because we know they are the haqq. We know the Qur'an is haqq. We know the Sunnah is haqq. We know the Sahaba upon haqq. So that's where we want to be. In the best possible way. Tayyib. Um, the next point is that the positioning of this dua also teaches us one of the great etiquette of making dua. And that is to praise Allah before making dua. And can look at the hikmah of Allah. We touched on this previously, which, which, what's the point here? The point here is, the Fatiha teaches us a great etiquette of dua. And that is, to praise Allah first, and then ask for what you are, what you are looking for. As in the Fatiha, we start by the Basmala, Rahman Rahim, Maliki, or first, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, praising Allah, the Lord of all that exists, Rahman Rahim, praising Him further, who is He? He's the most merciful, the most compassionate, what else? Who is he? He's Maliki Yawmiddin. He's the owner of the day of recompense, the day of jaza, the day of uh, reckoning, and the, the day of judgment. This is who he is. You alone do we worship Ya Allah, and you alone do we ask for help, praising him further. Now we make the dua, after we've praised him. And this is an etiquette of dua that we should learn. right? In fact, in a hadith it says, 
If any one of you prays, meaning makes dua, he should commence by glorifying his Lord and praising him. When we start the dua, you should always start with praising Allah. This is the sunnah. And he should invoke peace and blessings upon the Prophet And thereafter, he should supplicate Allah for anything he wishes. Remember this now. When you make dua, first praise Allah. Even if it's in English, mention the greatness of Allah. Mention some of the names of Allah, some of the attributes of Allah, some of the great actions of Allah that Allah has done. And mention some salawat upon the Prophet then make dua. And when you end off, end off in a similar manner by sending salawat upon the Prophet and then you end off. Right? These are some of the, the key ingredients to having your dua being accepted, inshaAllah. Um, another important point on guidance is that the Prophet always made dua for guidance. And yet he was, we all know, the most guided of all of insan. Example, and dua he often used to make in Sahih Muslim, it says, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-huda wa wal-afafa wal-ghina. Right? And I think many of us will know this, but in life, if we don't know it, learn it. Make it as often as you can. Oh Allah, I ask you for guidance. Huda. For taqwa, for piety, for God consciousness, for God fearingness, for chastity to keep me pure and chaste, not to fall into immoralities, and for sufficiency, to be someone who's not in need of others. He's self sufficient, he has enough wealth and, and aid and so forth that he doesn't need others. Again, a good, all encompassing prophetic dua that the Prophet always used to make. Another example. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu often would say, Ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qalbi ala deenik. Oh, the changer of the hearts, strengthen or keep my heart firm upon your religion. Keep my heart firm upon your religion. And so Anas, he said, Ya Rasulullah, we believe in you and what you have come with. But do you fear for us? He said, yes, I fear for the people after me. Indeed, the hearts are between the two fingers of Allah's fingers. He changes them as He wills. He changes them as He wills. Allah can flip them or change them as He pleases. So, this is why we should always ask Allah for guidance. is one way. Another way. Another way. And you can do it in any other way, insha'Allah. Tayyib, so we've spoken about the four types of guidance. We said when we recite ihdina, we want to be guided to at least those three types of guidance. The guidance of knowledge or irshad. Secondly, to follow it up with the guidance of tawfiq and amal, of action. And thirdly, the guidance in the akhirah. Allah guides us to paradise and not to jahannam. And that he guides us across the sirat, the bridge over jahannam, swiftly, easily, without getting injured or hurt or torn or pricked, and definitely without slipping and falling. Uh, this is our intention when we say ihdina. And now it has a different meaning altogether from what we initially we understood it to mean ihdina. It's not just about Allah guide us. Guide us to what? In what way? This is the power behind this, this the, the guidance of Allah and the guidance that we are seeking bi ta'ala. Al-Sirat um, al-Mustaqim, we move on the meaning of Sirat. In the year after, we mentioned the meaning already, right? In this world, the scholars differed exactly what it refers to, right? What is meant by Sirat here? The ulama differed. 
Some said Sirat, yeah, the right path is the Quran. Some said it's Islam. Some said it's the Sunnah. Some said it means to follow the Prophet. Some said it means the Haqq. Right? All of these in reality are correct. Right? And some scholars said they all mean the same thing, meaning they all are like synonyms to each other. For example, whoever follows Islam, he follows the Quran. Whoever truly follows the Quran will follow the Sunnah. Whoever follows the Sunnah is following the Prophet. Whoever is following the Prophet is following the Haqq. So they are all in reality, they're very similar, they are pretty much the same thing. Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, Shaykh al-Islam Tamiyyah, Ibn Kathir and others, this was their view. That it's all correct. They are all, basically they mean in reality, in a general sense, they mean the same thing. The goal is one, right? So Sirat here means all of these things. Hence the slave, when he asks for guidance in this world, he should mean all of the above. Ya Allah, guide us. We, we meant, we've spoken about the Akhirah, the Sirat in the Akhirah. We've spoken about knowledge and action. Um, and also when we want the guidance of this dunya, we are asking Allah to guide us to, the, to Islam, to the true religion, to the true path, to the Quran, the Sunnah, to following the Prophet to the Haqq and so forth. This is understood insha'Allah. The word Sirat in Arabic means a clear straight path that has no crookedness in it. It also has lots of people that trade upon it. So, this is what the scholars of the Arabic language have mentioned. Sirat in Arabic, what does it mean? Just this word Sirat. It means a clear path, a straight, clear path, right? That has no crookedness. It's not a winding path. It's straight and it's clear, right? It's straight and it's clear. It also has lots of people that trade upon it. Lots of people that are upon this path. And Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, again the Imam Mufassirin, he said, there's ijma' on this issue. They all agreed on this definition of sirat. That it's a clear straight path, it has no crookedness in it, and it has people that are trading this path. Many people that have trade or that are busy trading this path. Okay, so let's look at this definition and go into some detail. So, three descriptions. Number one is, it is one path. Sirat is a singular word, right? It is one path that leads to its destination. That's taking you to its goal, right? Not two paths, not three paths. If you type into a, a destination into Google Maps, it gives you various different routes you can take. This is not the same thing. We have one road, one path. Understand? That's taking us to this destination. No other, uh, you know, detours, one path. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَأَنَّ هَذَا صِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمًا فَاتَّبِعُوهُ Indeed, that is my path. Perfectly straight. So follow it. So follow it. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا السُّبُولَ فَتَفَرَّقَ بِكُمْ عَنْ سَبِيلِ And do not follow other ways. Do not follow other ways, for they will lead you away from his way. They will lead you away from that one path. Look at the wording, Sirati, Sirat, my path. And then Allah uses a plural, Don't follow the other paths, it's a plural now, which will only take you away from his path. Understand? It's one path. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he said, the, Imam, the great Mufassir, when Allah says, do not follow other ways, for they will lead you away from his path, it describes Allah's path in the singular sense. Because the truth is one. There's only one truth. There's only one straight path. There's only one 
true methodology, one true aqidah. There's no two, three, four, five different groups all in the same belief system. That's all, or different belief systems, but they're all on the same, uh, all, all the truth. <laughs> There's one truth. There's one correct belief system. There's one correct methodology, right? Um, and that is the path of Allah. That's the path of the Sunnah and the path of the Sahaba, right? And Allah describes the other paths in the plural because there are many and are divided. There are many and they are divided, right? Imam Mujahid, he said, it refers to the innovations and doubts, meaning the other paths refers to bid'ah, innovations and doubts. It's not the Sunnah, it's not the Quran, it's not the way of the Sahaba, it's not the way of the Salaf al-Salih, the righteous predecessors. It's latter-day innovations. It's latter-day turuq pathways and tariqas and these things. This is not the Quran and the Sunnah, right? It refers to when Allah says, do not follow other ways, but they will lead you away from his path. It refers to the ways of bid'ah and innovations. Mujahid was one of the classical imams of tafsir. Tayyib. Um, and we know the famous hadith where the Prophet sallallahu said, that this ummah will split up into 73 sects. Right? All of the 73 sects will be in the hellfire except for one. Ya Rasulullah, who are they? They are the jama'ah. Or they are those who follow my way and the way of the Sahaba. Those who are upon ma ana alayhi liyawm wa ashabi. That which I am upon today and my Sahaba. This is the saved group. This is the, the, the straight path. The, those who follow the Prophet and the Sahaba. The others who follow other belief systems, it's not upon the way that's saved. Right? It's not upon this one path that we are speaking about. Hence it's important that we learn you know, our belief comes from the Qur'an and the Sunnah only. Our belief only from the Qur'an, not from philosophy, not from ration, not from our aql, not from our hawa, our desires, not from anything or anybody except that it comes from the Qur'an and the Sunnah and from the Sahaba. That's it. This is guaranteed safety. The others, there's no guarantee. Tayyip, Ibn Mas'ud, anhu, he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu drew a line in the sand with his hand. And he said, this is the straight path of Allah. One line. Then the Prophet drew lines to the right and left. And he said, these are the paths. And there is no path among them, but that a devil is upon it calling to its way. So this is the path of Allah. Then there's a path here, a path there, a path here, a path. Each of these detours, these side roads, they have a devil at the head that's calling to it. There's some misguided... A devil could be a person. Doesn't mean this is jinn or shaitan only. It could be a person as well that's sitting there calling to it. And then the Prophet recited the verse, Verily, this is the straight path. So follow it and do not follow other ways. That's the ayah that we mentioned previously. Imam Ash-Shatibi explained this and he said, The straight path is the path of Allah. The path to which Allah has named and that is the sunnah. This is the straight path. The other paths are the paths of the people of disagreement who deviate from the straight path and they are the people of bid'ah. They are the people of innovation. The intended meaning here is not the paths of disobedience. This is not about sin. This is not the, those side paths are not sin. They are innovations because no one makes disobedience a path that he continuously treads upon. Right? A person who's... <laughs> those are not normal sins. You don't just make it a pathway. A pathway to sin, right? An alcoholic doesn't make that a path of life. 
That's just a sin. He knows it's a sin. But it falls into zina. He doesn't make it the path that he calls people to zina. You know? Or stealing or murder. Or, it's just a sin they fall into. Whether they repeat the sin or not. But the people of Bid'ah, they make that a new uh, uh, understanding of the deen. A new act of worship. A new ritual. And they call people to this methodologies that they are promoting. This is what is meant by this hadith as Imam Shaltibi is explaining. Um... Right? So they, no one makes disobedience a path that he continues to trade upon in imitation and of resemblance to the legislation, to the sharia. But rather this description is specifically for the newly invented innovations. And that's a powerful point and a beautiful way of explaining it that Imam Ash-Shatibi has given us. So firstly, it's one path. That's, what we, that's the first point. Secondly, it's the shortest and most correct path. Hence it is described as being mustaqim. It's the shortest and the most correct path, the straight path, the correct path, Sirat al-Mustaqim, the correct path, the straight path, the right path, which is the opposite of long. So it's the easiest or shortest path that leads to his destination, which is Jannah. What this tells us is that the Sirat is not a winding path that makes things difficult for people. It's not, you know, there's no extra burden and extra things that are chucked in. It's a straight, easy, short road. The Quran, the Sunnah. Yakfiq is sufficient for you. Nor does it bring in any additional rituals or innovations that become burdensome for people. You understand? It's a short, straight, correct path. That's it. No extra this or extra that, and you have to do this and you have to do that. No cultural beliefs, no cultural additions. Right? Where the culture is okay and is according to the Sharia, we say those practices are fine. But it's not obligated. Right? And it's not made a part of the Sharia. That people must do things like this. And this is known for many people. The things become difficult. The nikah becomes difficult. Right? This becomes difficult. That becomes difficult. Why? Because of all these things that are added. Likewise, ibadah becomes difficult. Because it's not according to the sunnah any longer, it becomes just innovations that people are going with. Right? In fact, when this happens, the, the innovation takes people not just, it not just makes it winding, it actually takes them off the path. Right? Um, and the, the question I mean to ask is, why do we need these additional acts of worship? Which often makes things difficult for people, and it distracts them away from the true sirat. The sirat is clear, it's easy. The deen, inna deena yusr. The Prophet said in the hadith, indeed this deen is easy. Why do we make it difficult? You know, I mentioned one day that the, 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 the niyyah for the salah is innovation. Right? There's no such thing. It's not mentioned by any of the, the sahaba or the Prophet sallam or any of the great imams for that matter. Now, wait to salli fardu salat al-dhuhr, arba'a raka'at. All of these things are made up. It's not from hadith. And the response I got from people was, you know, we were forced to do this. We were beaten as kids that, you know, our teachers made us learn these things. And the, this was like a major part of the syllabus. And it took up so much time and effort and stress and worry. And eventually we learned it. Now to learn that it was made up. You know, the question is, this is not the sirat. These things are added to the sirat to make it longer and winding and burdensome. Stick to the sunnah, wallahi, you will find ease in your life. You will find peace and tranquility in your ibadat. Knowing what you are doing is authentic. Knowing what you are doing is the way the Prophet did it. The way the Sahaba did it. 
the salah, our dhikr, our Quran, our fasting, everything we try to do it according to the sunnah, you will find ease in your worship. No burden, no excessiveness, no insha'Allah. This is what you will find, the barakah of the sunnah, you will find this. Ibn Abbas, anhuma, the sahabi, he said, every year the people of bid'ah innovations innovate some other uh, bid'ah and wipe away some or other sunnah due to which innovations become alive and sunnah becomes dead. The more you come with these additional things, the more the sunnah gets lost and forgotten and those things become the deen. It replaces the sunnah. That's what Ibn Abbas says, every year this happens and we see it with our own eyes today. People have lost the sunnah the only thing they know is the cultural deen. And, and this is because of bid'ah. Wallahu al-musta'an. The Prophet said in the hadith, مَا أَحْلَثَ قَوْمٌ بِدْعَةً إِلَّا رُفِعَ مِثْلُهَا مِنَ السُنَّةِ وَمِثْلَهَا مِنَ السُنَّةِ No people introduce a bid'ah, but something equivalent will be taken away from the sunnah. Ponder that hadith. No people introduce an innovation, but something equivalent will be taken away from the sunnah. And this is the, the one of the... The consequences of bid'ah. The more it comes, the more the sunnah leaves. Wallahu al-musta'an. Um, the Prophet also said, There is nothing that will take you closer to paradise except that I have instructed you with it. If it's something good, if it's going to take you to Jannah, the Prophet taught it. Did he teach us the maulids? No. Did he teach us to do this? No. Did he teach us to do that? No. It can't take you to Jannah. As simple as that. And there is nothing that will keep you away from the fire except that I forbid you from it. The deen is complete and perfect. Don't add to it. Don't think you can change it. Don't think you can improve it or enhance it or make it any better. Because you cannot. Nobody can. Nobody, no matter what saint this person thinks he is, he cannot make the deen any better. It's as simple as that. So don't make the path winding and addition, bring additional things in. Stick to the clear-cut deen. تَرَقْتُكُمْ عَلَى مَحَجَّةِ الْبَيْضَاءِ رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said, I have left you upon a clear white path. لَيْلُهَا كَنَهَارِهَا Its night is like its day. What does this mean? There's no darkness. There's no dark. It's clear as light. لَا يَزِيغُ عَنْهَا إِلَّا هَالِكَ Nobody leaves or gets off this path except someone who's destroyed. Don't destroy yourself by following innovations. Stick to the sunnah. Wallahi, it is sufficient for you. And you will find blessings in your life, as we said, by following the sunnah. Number three is, the sirat is broad in terms of the number of followers it has. So, even if a person is alone or by himself, he should know that there are many others upon this path. Others in different locations and maybe even different areas. We are not the only ones that are following the sirat. There have been many others before us. And there will be many others after us. And there are many others in our time as well. Right? The sirat is followed by many people. There are many people upon the haqq. There are many people that are upon the belief of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Following the righteous Salaf al-Salih. There are many of them, alhamdulillah, in our time and before us. And they will be after us as well. Don't think that you are alone upon this path ever. You should never feel lonely upon this path even if you are a stranger. In your own home, you might be a stranger. A little bit odd. No, it's not the way we do things. But you are doing it according to the Quran and the Sunnah. The Prophet said, بَدَأَ الْإِسْلَامُ غَرِيبًا وَسَيَعُودُ غَرِيبًا فَطُوبًا لِلْغُرَبًا Islam began as something strange. Amongst the Arabs, it was strange. What is this? And it will return to being strange. It will go back to a time where the true Islam is strange. With the Muslims themselves will look around and think, what is this person doing? What kind of belief does this person have? 
In reality, you are promoting the Quran and the Sunnah, you may seem strange to others who don't who have lost the Quran and the Sunnah, who don't understand the Quran and the Sunnah as it's supposed to be understood any longer. So you become a stranger in your community, in your masjid that you attend, in your home, in your family, in your friend, your group of friends, wherever it may be, you become a stranger. فَطُوبَى لِلْغُرَبَى Give glad tidings to the strangers. Tuba, glad, tri- glad uh, tidings. Blessed are the strangers. Tuba is also a tree in Jannah for those strangers. If you are holding upon the true deen, don't feel lonely. Number one, there's good glad tidings for you. Number two, you should know that perhaps you are by yourself where you are at this moment, but there are many others upon this path with you. There are many others that was upon this path. This is the path of the Anbiya. This is the path of the Sahaba. This is the path of the Shuhada and all of the other righteous Muslims and believers um, and many others. Understand? So we don't feel lowly upon this path. We know that they are our company. This sirat is also attributed to Allah at times as the one who created, designed and placed it. As Allah says in the Quran, Inna Rabbi ala mustaqim. Indeed, my Lord is upon a path that is straight. So Allah says, I think this was the statement of Nabi Hud in Surah Hud, where he said, Inna Rabbi ala mustaqim. My Lord is upon a path that's straight. Right? So this is attributed to Allah because Allah is the one who designed this path. He's the one who created this path as it is. You will find him upon this path. And at times it's attributed to those who follow it. At times this path is attributed to those who follow it. In Surah Fatiha, we'll get to this ayah next week, inshallah. Surah Al-Ladina An'amta Alayhim, the path of those who have been blessed. Those who Allah bestowed His bounties upon. So it's there, they are, uh, uh, who this path is now being referred to, it's attributed to them. Those who Allah blessed, it's their path. Or it refers to Allah's path. Either way, whichever way we look at it, Whichever way the slave looks at it, he finds comfort in it. If he thinks this is the path of Allah, it's Allah's path. It leads to Allah. He created, he designed it, he placed this path the way it is. He finds comfort, even if he's by himself, because he knows this path is the path of Allah. And Allah is sufficient for me. If he thinks of it as the path of the believers, of the the anbiya and the salihin and the messengers and the shuhada and so forth, he finds peace in this. This is the path that I'm following. Not for anybody else. I don't care what others think. I'm following the straight path and the right path because of this. So he finds comfort in this and he does not feel lonely, nor does he lose hope or give up hope um, at all. Right? So this is the meaning of sirat according to the Arabic language. And we went into some detail on that. It has three descriptions. Number one, it's a one path. The haq is one. Number two, this path is the shortest and the most correct path to Jannah. And number three, this path has many followers. Right? This doesn't mean that the majority is upon the path. Right? This doesn't mean that you must look at who's the majority. There must be... No. That's a false concept. People today are saying you must look at the majority and they must be those who are upon the... the no, it doesn't mean that. Right? It means the, the true path has had and will have many followers even though most people are not upon the true path. Understand this point. Right? So it just means don't lose hope because many have been upon this path, are upon this path and will be on the upon, upon this path. So stick to the path. And don't pay attention you know, to all of the others who are not upon the path and don't lose hope and don't let them uh, you know, influence you and so forth. 
but be firm and be you know upon the path of Allah Azza wa Jal Ta'ala. So this is the power of this ayah. Ihdina suratul mustaqim. What are we asking Allah for that hidayah? To this sirat. The one true path. The path of the true followers. The short correct path in this dunya. Which is of guidance, of knowledge and of action. And we are that guidance to the akhirah, to jannah. And across the sirat over the jannah. Easily and swiftly. That we enter Jannah with, you know, with complete comfort and peace, you know, and with Rasulullah Sallallahu and the Sahaba, uh, and this is what we are asking Allah for, and we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to grant us to us to grant us the understanding of this ayah, and that this ayah, the, the meaning penetrates our hearts. We decided with meaning that He accepted from us. Amin ya Rabbal Alamin. Until next week, inshaAllah, we will definitely finish the Fatiha next week, inshaAllah. Um, we've got one more ayah left so that's for next week inshallah wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh